Tuesday, August 25th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and it's just me today. I promise I'm going to have someone else in the studio with me tomorrow, but uh, but today it is it is one of those episodes where it's just me. So, as I say every time, feel free to skip this one. You're not going to hurt my feelings. That's isn't. And by the way, isn't that one of the great things about podcasts? Well, one, they're free, but two, you know, you get an episode you don't really want to listen to, and just be like, oh, okay, I'll just check back tomorrow when there's another one. Um, but it is strategy week here, and I wanted to talk about uh, something strategy related when it comes to investing, um, because one of the questions that I get frequently is, you know, how do you put market foolery together? How do you decide on the stories? Where do you find the stories? How do you do the research? And I listened to an interview recently that got me thinking about all of this, uh, and I'll get to the interview in a minute, but. Uh, but basically, I wanted to talk about resources because uh, I've said before that the great thing, and as someone who remembers investing pre-internet, the great thing about being an investor today is there's so much information available. That's also the bad thing because it's so easy to get overwhelmed. Um, so I think that you know if you're older. Uh, and you're more experienced. You probably have your strategy in place. You've got uh, the resources that you're used to that are helpful to you. If you're younger, I think you know. Just like we talk about building up a watch list for stocks, I think you want to build up your resource list, um, and that can be columnists, that can be authors, that can be business leaders who maybe have a company blog or something like that. Um, certainly, for me. Uh, I use a lot of news sources like Market Watch, Yahoo Finance, um, and I'm a big uh, I'm a big user of Twitter. Um, I find Twitter to be particularly helpful when it comes to um, charts, not just any old chart, but in particular charts that illustrate national or global trends. I'm I'm less interested in a single company's. You know, in a chart that is illustrating a single company's sales growth, I'm much more interested in a chart that is illustrative of where a given country is going on a particular trend or where the world is going. Just if you think about commerce around the world and how statistically tiny e-commerce is when it comes to global commerce. So much of commerce around the world is is cash-based. E-commerce makes up somewhere around seven percent or so of global commerce, and so that's a chart that, as an investor, I look at something like that and I see the growth potential just for e-commerce, and that helps focus me on companies that I think can succeed when it comes to online commerce. I think trade publications can be really helpful. We talk about restaurants a decent amount here uh, on Market Foolery and on Motley Fool Money, uh, and it's easy to find trade publications, restaurantnews.com, that sort of thing. Um, we're going to have Tim Hansen on later in the week to talk about international investing, and one of the things, one of the things I'm going to ask him about is international resources. You know, if you're looking to invest in other countries, what are the news resources you can go to 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 help you with that? The interview that I listened to recently was with a filmmaker by the name of Robert Rodriguez, and 
if you are unfamiliar with Robert Rodriguez, you may be familiar, at least in name only, with some of his films. Uh, he uh, did Desperado. He's he's the guy behind the Spy Kids movies, uh, the Sin City movies, from Dust Till Dawn, uh, an award-winning writer and director um, at the Cannes Film Festival, at Sundance, Independent Spirit Awards, all that sort of thing. Just just an incredible uh, filmmaker. Um, and there were there were two things that really stood out, and it was a very lengthy interview. But there were two things that stood out to me. One was he talked about getting some advice from George Lucas, and George Lucas's main piece of advice to Robert Rodriguez was, "Stay in Texas." Uh, Robert Rodriguez went to the University of Texas. I, I believe he makes his home in Austin, um, and George Lucas is up in Marin County, California, out of Hollywood. And, and Lucas's advice was just, look, it's easy to get caught up in the groupthink in Hollywood, so just stay in Austin, Texas, and you'll be able to, it'll be easier for you to think for yourself. Um, and that's certainly come up in the past here at The Motley Fool, because when we started in the 1990s, that was a question we would get. Oh, you're, you're an investing company? Why aren't you guys on Wall Street? And part of our answer was, well, we, we kind of like having the distance. It's you know, it's Wall Street is a big place. Uh, it's also an expensive place to set up a shop, but um, we feel like it gives us a little bit of an edge as an investor if we're not if we're not right there on Wall Street, and it's it's easier to get caught up in that herd mentality. Um, I think that's less of an issue now. Uh, with the way that information uh, has has grown uh, over the last 20 years, but it certainly was a question we got a lot in the 1990s. The other thing with Robert Rodriguez that that came up in this interview was the first movie that he made is a movie called El Mariachi, um, and he made it when he was at the University of Texas. He was, I think, 22 years old. He made it for $7,000. And one of the funny things is that he made it, uh, if this makes any sense, he made it uh, not for the purpose of have anyone see it. He made it just so he could have the experience of making a feature length film because he had been making short films and he wanted to eventually make feature length films. And he thought, well, if I'm going to do that, then I need to. I need to have a feature-length film under my belt. So he made El Mariachi, which is um, uh, obviously Spanish for uh, the guitar player, um, and it's a, it's a wonderful movie. It is about a guitar player who comes to a town and he is mistaken for a killer who just happens to carry his weapons around in a guitar case. Um, um, it was a movie that he later remade into Desperado, starring uh, Antonio Banderas. Um, but when he made the movie, and he didn't have any money, the way he focused his energy was just completely on looking around at what he had. He didn't try and think of writing a story that would involve going out and getting other things. He just thought, well, okay, well, what do I have? And then he wrote all of those things into the script. He cast a lead actor whose cousin just happened to own a bus. And so, Rodriguez is like, great, I'm going to write an action sequence with a bus. You know, He had a cousin who owned a bar. Great, 
I'm going to write a shootout scene that takes place in a bar. One of the actors owns a pit bull and a turtle. Great. We're going to put the pit bull and the turtle in the movie just so that when I show this to studio executives, they'll think that I had an animal wrangler on the set. You know, so he had a friend who owned a ranch, so the whole movie was set up so that the bad guy, the drug lord, uh, bad guy character in the movie lived on a ranch. And so he just looked at everything around him um, in an incredibly entrepreneurial way. And so when you think about resources as an investor, please take that lesson and don't ignore the things that you have around you. Think about what you do for a living, think about the expertise that you have. Tap into the resources of your family and your friends. What do they do? And if you start to get curious about what other people do and ask them about their business, then you start to expand your circle of competence. You start to learn more about the world. David Gardner um, uh, writes about and, and talks about on his podcast, Rule Breaker Investing, about being curious and how being curious can really be such an asset as an investor. Um, so again, when, you, when you're thinking about online resources, written resources, columnists, books, etc, think about yourself as a resource uh, and, and really sort of step back and think about how you can put what you know and what the people around you know to work for you as an investor. Um, one little footnote on El Mariachi. That was that was sort of unintentionally humorous. Again, Rodriguez makes this movie for seven thousand um, dollars with the intent of, of of not releasing it. He doesn't want anyone to see it. He just wants to be able to prove that he can make a movie, and he also knows that he's going to make mistakes along the way. So that if someone actually gives him a studio job, he'll have one film under his belt. Um, Columbia Pictures buys the movie and they release it and he's like no 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 I I didn't I didn't make this movie so you could release it and you know business being what it is they said yeah well we get that but we paid you the money so we're going to release the movie um, it wins the audience award at the Sundance Film Festival it goes on to gross more than 2 million dollars at the box office making it a staggeringly profitable movie um and every year in the United States, the Library of Congress, um, there's a national film registry associated with the U.S. Library of Congress. And every year they go through thousands of movies and they pick 20 to 25 um, that have cultural, historical, sort of aesthetical importance. Um, and they are preserved. And in 2011, one of the films that the U.S. Uh, National Film Registry selected was El Mariachi, which is just mind-blowing to think about. That you know, in the same in the same you know that year, movies like Forrest Gump and War of the Worlds and um, Charlie Chaplin's first film, The Kid. You know, just all of all of these films are selected, and here's this little film that Rodriguez never. Not only did he never expect anyone to see, he never wanted anyone to see it. And now it is preserved for history. 
I'm going to wrap up now. Um, if you're listening, then obviously you think of Market Foolery as a resource uh, for your investing acumen. So I thank you for that. Um, uh, I really do. Uh, I never take that for granted. Um, um, and this is something that David Gardner has talked about as well. I also recommend reading and listening to things that really don't have anything to do with investing. Um, because uh, just as was the case with this interview with a filmmaker that I listened to, can can spark thoughts related to investing. You you never know where you're going to find investing lessons. You definitely want to have those resources, but but open yourself up to other things that have, on the surface anyway, nothing to do with business or investing, and you'll be surprised at how uh, some really good applicable lessons can come out of them. That is going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. Uh, as always, well, you know the disclaimer. Did I mention any stocks? Columbia Pictures. Uh, let's see, Coca Cola used to own them. Anyway, you know the deal. Don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear here. Certainly not from me. The show is mixed by the phenomenal Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hell. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow when I promise someone else will be in the studio with me. <laughs>